Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Today we've got an amazing guest with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tim Esterdahl from Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. Well, congrats, and, and thanks for having me. You said the name right. I know I try to make that the longest name possible and difficult to pronounce. Uh, kind of goes the last name. But uh, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to be here and talking to you guys. Tim goes back with us a long ways, actually, way back in the early days. Tim was one of the few people who actually gave me a pointer that really gave us some incredible numbers. Oh, yeah? Was yeah, it? I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's from the Detroit Auto Show going back to 2015. Is that where we get the no shorts on camera? No, that wasn't Tim. Okay. That was that was somebody else. That was Hyundai, actually. Um, but actually, yeah, they're sort of connected. Um, but let's let's continue with um, the fact that we brought Tim here specifically because a, we need better looking men. Sorry, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, but and b, we really do want to get his perspective, not only on pickup trucks, but specifically what's pictured here for those of you who can see this, the Toyota Tundra. Yes, the Toyota Tundra, which you hate. I hate it completely. It's the worst pickup ever. <laughs> Sorry. It's, I had to throw that out there because how many people throw oh that out gosh. there? I mean, the minute you say something negative about, especially this truck, and Tommy, you're with me on this. I know you are. The entire world explodes and says, you hate Toyota. Well, let's get a little background. So, Tim, what do you do online? How do people find you? And kind of talk about your outlet. All right, yeah. So, uh, pickuptrucktalk.com is the best way to find it. I kind of was like making it simple. Pickup, truck. And we talk, uh-huh. and it kind of you know works together. Um, and really, the the channel uh, came out from my freelance work. I used to work for uh, different freelance outlets, Truck Trend, uh, was bought Motor Trend. Check out sometimes. There's an article in there, Boston Globe, different things. And so I really wanted a place to put my freelance work all in one spot because I started my family looking around trying to find stuff. Right. So I, I kind of did that, and then it just kind of kept growing. And then I was actually traveling with Roman quite a bit, and I was like, well, you know, um, I was naive and dumb, and I was like, I can do video too. And then I was like, oh. YouTube's really hard. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but again, congrats on you guys' uh, milestones, million mile, or a million uh, subs and three million uh, total for the channel because it. uh, it's really hard. And so uh, I was doing a podcast first and then, because I didn't want to upset Truck Trend, then Truck Trend did their own podcast and I started on YouTube and then I eventually just locked myself in the basement for like six months and learned how to do YouTube. And that's uh, what we, you know, what we do. I, I think my channel and our channels kind of dovetail really nicely together. I think you know, you guys do a lot of good stuff at the Gauntlet, the the tug of work, the drag racing stuff. I just can't do it. I don't have the team to produce that content, and I just don't want to repeat what you guys are doing. But you know, I'm like, you know, it's funny story. That thing is, we actually went behind the curtain there, and him and Mike Spears and I are like laying down. On our backside, underneath the truck, talking about some engineering on the, the step. I mean, so I think that's the difference is, like, I think people can get so much good stuff. They can get, like, your numbers, your data, your comparison stuff, and your viewpoint. They can get me, who's over here talking about the window seal on the back of the, you know, uh, back of the window, right? I mean, so it's, it's a complete picture of the ownership of that truck. One of the difficult things is getting out there and actually getting into the weeds with these guys, right? I mean, not everybody is willing to talk to you, you being us, anybody who's a journalist. 
certain engineers, I won't say any particular Ford, uh, but some places are, it's very difficult to actually sit down with an engineer, go underneath the truck and go buy the parts and say, why did you do this? Or why isn't this working? And that's a little bit different here, isn't it? Yeah, so, and, and this video, it, this video is really funny. So, so the backstory is this, is that, um, how was it? I, it's 2017, I think it was. I was sitting at my house on Facebook, screwing around, mm -hmm. and I saw a story of a million mile truck from a dealership. And so I, I emailed Truck Trend, do you want to buy the story? Great, you know, buy the story. And so I was like, sold the story. I contacted the dealership and I was like, gonna talk to the, the guy who turned out to be Vic Shepard, was the guy, first million mile truck. And so I talked talk to Vic, of course he was driving, did a little interview, wrote it up, sent it in, boom, went played golf. Didn't think it, dang, it's just a story. I made uh, 300 bucks and it was a 500 word story, cool story, whatever. It goes right. live on Truck Trend and boom, that thing freaking takes off. My career gets launched. It's like I'm on a rocket ship all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to be fortunate enough to beg, plead, bug Toyota to do the teardown videos and to do the follow up videos. And I went to the dealership again. There's the second Metal Mod Tundra. And so I kind of, you know, this whole thing took off. So I kind of put it to bed, you know, and, I was in, and then um, when they built the new truck, uh, Toyota PR is reaching out to me and like, hey, do you want to do another video on the differences? And I was like, man, I'm like, horse, dead horse, beat dead. You know, I was like, yeah. they're kind of done, right? And then my managing editor, Jill Smanello, the five foot wonder, got me by the ear. And she was <laughs> like, look, we're doing this video. And I was like, all right. So I actually, I'd walked in and talked to Mike. Mike Spears is the guy on the left there. I'm the yeah. fat guy on the right. Uh, went in and talked to Mike Spears. And we were at the, at, he's like, he looked at me, he goes, he goes, I don't know what we're doing here because we've already covered this quite a bit. And I was like, I kind of agree. <laughs> I said, let's go through it one more time. And so that video turned out really well. And uh, I think it's really telling um, for me that, you know, the best part of the Tundra is always about the engineering underneath. I think that's that's where they put all their money into. It's not so sexy on the outside and not so sexy, whatever, they, the, the bells whistle stuff, but engineering, engineering underneath and then be able to see the differences between the drive shafts and the differences between you know the parts they used and the reason why they did stuff, I thought was really um, informative video. So Mike Swears, um, the guy we keep name dropping. If you don't know, he is the chief engineer of the Tundra program, right? Is it all Toyota trucks? Is he's Tacoma too, right? Yeah, he's Tacoma too. So um, Tim's got a great relationship with Mike. Andre's done a bunch of stuff with Mike too. But I kind of want to like backtrack a little bit. So uh, Tim's like us, so we receive weekly testers, right? Mm -hmm. And and we kind of rotate and kind of pick around. Um, but then also. So Tim, uh, probably I, you've got a long history with Tundra, but you've also bought other trucks for long-term reviews, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so talk to me about that. So you had a Tundra when it first came out. Is that right? In like 07? Yeah, I actually had one in uh, 14. So I actually okay. started doing this job in 2011. I actually got hired. It, it's, my, my story is, is I answered a Craigslist ad. Okay. <laughs> and I, I started. I, it really, the guy wanted a guy knew about riding. He was he wanted a journalist who knew about trucks. And mm -hmm. so I grew up in Michigan. And if you don't know about trucks in Michigan. You're not a man. I mean, right, right, yeah, this is what happens, right? And but the, the crazy part was, he wanted me to write uh, Tundra headquarters and, to and Tacoma headquarters. He had two sites built. He just was tired of writing about them. He just was moving on his business, going elsewhere. So I took over. But the, the funny thing is that if you, when I was growing up in Michigan, nobody bought Toyotas in Michigan. You were the enemy. Like, and my dad was a GM guy. Right. And so my brother one time actually drove a Ford into the, into the uh, driveway. And he couldn't park it. He had to go down the street and park it and walk to the house. My dad wouldn't let that in the house. That's wow. the way it was. Wow. That's the way it was growing up, right? You, the lines were drawn. And so that's a foreign job. Mm -hmm. And you're giving Japan money. So it was funny when I started writing for the Tundra site because I was 
had never covered them. I, you know, it's funny. My brother came out and we had a forerunner. I was driving around as a weekly tester. He had never even been in a forerunner because, <laughs> again, Michigan, you just don't see that stuff. And yeah. so that's kind of the story of how it came out. And then I was, I bought it. I was riding Thunder headquarters, and I realized um, I've never been in a truck, so maybe I need to buy one. <laughs> so I did. I bought a 2013, and right when that changeover happened, and then I um, had that for three or four years. And I, then we moved to Nebraska, and I was living in Lakewood here in Colorado. And I moved to Nebraska, and I sat alongside the house for four months without being driven. And I was like, well, this is dumb. Right. <laughs> I'm like paying 600 bucks, 700 bucks a month for nothing. So I sold that. Then last year, uh, I bought a new Ford F50 Power Boost, and the primary reason for that was um, the channel kind of succeeded. Mm-hmm in a way that I wasn't prepared for, financially, to pay the taxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the choice was give Uncle Sam a massive check, right. more of the check that I've ever written in my life. I don't even know how many zeros I could put on that check for us, you know, or buy a truck. So, and that turned out really well. That, that's actually really um, when I started saying, you know what, I have got to buy trucks on a consistent basis. So now my head, my head is, you know, doing a Tundra right now this year, but I'm always thinking, what's the next truck, what's the next truck, what's, you know, I'm planning stuff out because I don't want to buy – Three tundras in a row. I'm not going to buy four, three. Didn't you in a buy row. a Maverick too? Yeah, I have a I have a deposit on a Maverick. Um, my wife, um, she's a little cold feet on that one. Really interesting. You, yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to get a, a too <laughs> tangent, but we had a press loan that that one came through the blue mm-hmm. one, the hybrid, right? And, uh, and uh, she's been in videos, so she actually qualifies as being a member of the channel. Mm-hmm. And so I had her drive for a couple of days, and she was like, "Yeah, so what else is out there?" Interesting. Interesting. And I was like, this is, this is, this is the <laughs> best. This is it. Right. Hey, so, I mean, I, I, may still, I may still buy it just because it's, it's, a, it's really efficient, great little pickup. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not something I drive all the time, but it's fun. So I want to get into this a little bit, right? Yes, let's do it. Um, because I know that, that, that Tim certainly has um, a, a big following on the Tundra, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of videos surrounding the Tundra. So um, you've got the background with the V8 and the 5.7 and, and the uh, that that world when they first launched the Tundra, talk to me about what your initial impressions were. Um, because I know you're an old school V8 guy. You've got Swede or Swade, mm-hmm. Swede, yep. Swede, right? That, that's not a V8. It, it is. It, it is. is a V8. Yeah. I thought you had a straight six for some. No, I had a straight six, but then it crapped out, so I put a V8 in it. Yeah. So there you go. I was half right. So Tim <laughs> and I, I, I listen to Tim's podcast every week when okay. he publishes it. I know. I, I'm not. I'm not as effective. I'm not timely as you guys. Tim, are. but Tim is a V8 guy. Yep. Okay. So. Talk to me through how you got your head around the V6 twin turbo. Or have you gotten around your head yeah, around Yeah, really, really, yeah. Now, is this a Toyota thing, or, or did you feel the same about the Ford as well? Same with the Ford. Okay. Hmm. You know, I uh, so I thought the Ford Power Boost was boring. Boring, okay. I mean, it's fast, you know, it's fast, it's great, stuff like that, but it's like, it just wasn't exhilarating to drive. And so, when, uh, when press release comes out, right, and I, I had done a video four months before that saying that they're not, not going to rate the V8, so... Right. I was wrong. Sorry. Um, but, you know, so I did this video, and then the, the press release comes out, and I just was – I didn't understand it. Like, I, I didn't understand it at all. Um, because and, and more so being a V8 guy, but from being a competitive standpoint, I mean, they're only they're the only full-size truck manufacturer in America without a V8. I mean, they're it. And so the, it's really brave to go down that road first and be the first guy. You know, it's, the reality of things is that the first guy through any door of any new product, mark, whatever, gets bloody. Right? right, and that, that's what's going to happen. I think we'll see more and more brands go away from V8s because of emissions issues. Is what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But when I read the press release, I was like, "Oh, this okay, all right, fine." You know, and so I, you know, I was, well, I knew I was going to buy one, 
Now, it just, I mean, it was the only new truck last year, right? So mm-hmm. pff, why would you? I don't want to buy something that's been on the market for a while, so I knew it was going to sure. buy one. But I, I, when I read the press release, I was disappointed. I okay. was flat out disappointed. And so I really, oh my goodness, I really had to step back and Jill and I had conversations and talk to the team and like get my head around it because th- there was nothing uh, that really stood out to me that was wow. So what is it about? Maybe you can explain this. What is it about those two extra cylinders and no turbos that, that really appeals to you? Um, it, two things. Sound. Okay. Right? I mean, I, I, I love the drive. And, I, you know, Swede's got the V8 in it. And I love to roll down the windows, go on a country road, and, and just let it run. And just listen to it purr. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm still an enthusiast. I still love that piece of it. Um, and turbos are fast. And turbos are, are, are uh, the truck's faster. Uh, you you know I, I have concerns about more maintenance. I mean, when I was with Thunder Headquarters, we used to run stories in the Ford. It's fifteen hundred dollars per turbo to replace it. Right. You know, I mean, it, it is. And so, and the, the other thing I, that kind of drove me nuts with the Parvus, especially, was, um, and I, I I don't have any facts on this. This is my own personal take. Is that I believe in the small displacement V6 engines have a wide disparity on fuel economy based on the fact that driving conditions and how you drive it really do make a difference. If you get on it, you're just pouring gas on a turbo. I mean, that's what you're doing. And I believe with the V8s that the disparity and, and variance in fuel economy is less, not as big, right? And so, you know, like, yeah, the Tundra gets terrible fuel economy in prior generation, but I got 15 every day, all day, you know? With, with, the, with the, um, the new Tundra, I can get like, I can get all the way down to 15 to 24. You know, right. so I mean, yeah. it's it's really a, a big comparison, big difference there, and and so, and the team was right. So, every comparable metric with a three point five, is that it's better than the V eight, right? It's horsepower, it's got more torque, it's better fuel economy, and I'm like, yeah, but they had to pipe in noise in the cabin, because I was bored, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, people, you know, people are like, oh, it's fake engine noise, whatever. I'm like, well, thank God it's got something, because I just get, I, I like. I like, for me, driving is a visceral experience. You know, yeah, and I'm a, I have country music on. I got my iced tea in the cup holder most days. And I got, uh, you know, windows down and I got the country music cranked up. And I, lo- I just love the, the driving experience. And so um, it, it was difficult to get around that, that idea. But, I, you know, I know that I know the turbo's faster. I know it is. But I don't, it doesn't feel faster. So it's more of like an experience thing, it sounds yeah. like. Because when you look at it on paper, like like you said, yeah, right? On paper. Horsepower, yeah. torque, usable torque, um, all of it's better. Now, I think the one thing I do agree with you on, I'm not super sold on the on the old school V8 thing, but um, the one thing that I do agree with you on, and I, I know you've talked about this in your podcast, but like if you look at the Ford and the Tundra, right, um, I feel like these manufacturers are marketing the hybrid system wrong. I feel like there's still this image that like hybrids are the fuel efficient option, right? Mm. If I was Ford and I was Toyota, I'd market that thing as like the ultimate zero to 60 year that can power your house, right? Just just market it as like this big scream. And because the issue is you end up marketing it as fuel economy and then people don't get that fuel economy yeah. and they're just going to be bummed out about it. I actually had something that I wanted to throw to him. I'm curious if his perspective is similar to mine. These newer trucks with the higher tech and all that other stuff, as opposed to a V8, it's kind of the difference between riding a Harley versus what would be a Japanese sports bike or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the Harley is in no way better. They don't handle better, that's for sure. Um, but they is just, there's a certain feel. There's a certain ride. There's a certain presence. And 
That is sort of what it's like to have an old school V8, especially that 5.7 with the TRD exhaust might be the best uh, sounding yeah, V8 yeah. ever in a truck. And a lot of people were like, wait a minute, what about the TRX? Yeah, okay, maybe a supercharged massive V8, whatever. But in terms of, you know, an everyday V8, a pedestrian V8, that was one of the best sounding ones out there. And that really did add to the experience. So that's kind of my perspective is that you can take a Harley and... Yeah, the sports bike is going to be faster and more efficient and everything else and handle better, but the Harley could be more fun. So that's kind of my perspective. Yeah, yeah, I don't know no, if, you're, if no, you agree with me on that. it's spot on. So, like, uh, Tommy was talking a little bit off air about this big towing video I did, which was, my goodness. Oh, like, it was giving, the four trucks? Giving birth yeah. to kids. That thing was massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're oh, just, I welcome was, to our world. I was so worn out at the end of that. But it was funny because I was doing these tests, and mm-hmm. I'd done the diesel, which I really love the GM's diesel. I just I think It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic diesel. Engine. And I'd done the power boost, and I'd done the 3.5-liter V6. I'd done the Tundra. And then a Ram shows up, and I'm like... Oh, thank God, it's got a V8. <laughs> I was like, I was so bored. <laughs> and that's, I mean, so that, you know, to, to not to go too off the tangent, but that's my whole issue with the hybrids and the EVs and such. I just get bored. You yeah. Know? And, 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 I, and they're great. They're, I mean, I, they fit people's lifestyle and they're fast and all that kind of stuff. And I tell people, when I had the Ford Power Boost last year, I said, I don't care about the hybrid part of that. I don't care at all. I wanted the power on board in the back. Right. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy trucks for fuel economy. I buy them to make my life better and lifestyle better. And so I saw your yeah. tool thing, and that that was a, a brilliant video, by so, the way, oh, with thank the, you. plugging in the tools and all that. Yeah. What would it take? Uh, if if it's, I think we're probably pretty much in agreement that the V8 is kind of a dying breed. It is. <laughs> what is it going to take to get you excited about trucks? Is it going to be that instant Silverado acceleration? Is it going to be fake engine noise? What is it going to take you think to get you that that same feeling? Well, you know, to be clear, I'm still I'm still passionate. I'm still passionate about trucks. I'm just not as excited about the hybrids kind of okay. stuff. Okay. I mean, right. Um, what I, I, I'm gonna have a hard time. I really am. I, I I don't have a good answer for you. I'm because I'm really having a hard time. Uh, you know. Uh, because I know the exhaust note's going away. And so that's part of my character going away. So I'm having to really uh, go inside my head, which is kind of a questionable adventure, <laughs> and uh, get okay with this. But, you know, I, again, I, I'm fine with the, three, with the diesel because I think that diesel uh, sounds really good, like the GM's diesel, and a good, really good fuel economy. It, it's, it's a brilliant, although it's so, one of my favorite power Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and so I'm really excited about the uh, Ram's new Hurricane engine. That's what I was going to ask you about because uh, that's that's uh, right. turbocharged so, 6. Yeah, I can, I can, that to me, I, I feel like that could be pretty exciting. I, I, I'm a little, you know, I'm going to lose my exhaust note for sure. It's going to be fast offline, great. But for me, it's like, it's is it faster and more fuel efficient, which is, that's the that's the sweet spot of the GM diesel, right? Mm-hmm. You can drive the hell out of that thing and you still get good fuel economy. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, so so um, I, that's what's going to have to happen for me. Is it? But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach a point where I'm gonna have Siri play uh, engine note while I'm driving around. You know, okay. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, right. I, yeah, I, I think I think that's the biggest thing from a lot of guys that I talk to about V8s and things is that we are all in the same boat. We know it's going away, but what are we gonna get from that? And the thing is, like, people tell me all the time, like, he can't, you know, the V6 is so much harder to repair. And I'm like, well, look, I have a 62 C10 with a V8 in it. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, it's awesome. You work on it. I said, yeah, it's awesome. You can work on it. I could pop the hood and hop in the engine bay and work on it, right? So they sit, sit in the truck. But here's the problem. The 62 C10. I'm always working on it. <laughs> right? 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 So right. the brand new ones, yeah, you can't work on the 3.5 without removing the cab. Not but... Not to- 
You don't to, have to. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the fact that it's the, the, your green footprint is a little bit different with a 62, <laughs> you know, or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah going yeah, back yeah, to yeah. anything, and that's one of the reasons why engines are not something that you can pop up and work on anymore. I mean, it's devoted to computers, and the fact is, is that in order to maintain a carbon footprint that's acceptable. Every automaker is going to have to move this direction, which is what we just mentioned with uh, FCA. Sorry, Stellantis. And, yeah, okay. God, I is still can't a, do it. Did right. you take the drug this morning? <laughs> it's just. Uh, but um, the point is, is that I think that after Stellantis moves over, uh, in terms of small displacement V8s, the last one will be the Coyote, which is probably going to go in the next couple of years. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, and. GM's got their a couple, and those are probably aren't going to last very long. Because that, that four-cylinder turbo now has more torque. Well, I l- you look at CAFE rules, right, and, mm-hmm. and EPA numbers, and really it's grams per mile. So the newest projections are 202 grams per grams of CO2 per mile. Per mile right. In Europe, the Euro 6 standards are 96. Right. Right. And so the Tundra, I think that I did the, the 3.5 puts out 400 and some grams per mile, which is down 40% versus the V8. Right. I mean, we're still in this, it's 300, 400, something in that range. And I'm still, people are like, well, I can't wait for this engine to go 10 years, no reliability on I'm like, it's not going to be here in 10 years. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, it, that en- the, en- the, the new t- Tundra engine, they're going to have to do something else. I mean, or they're going to have to lightweight it. They, well, the, something. they say that the hybrid, they may be able to actually add more and reduce some. And right. I mean, so it's like, it. it's like uh, driving these trucks right now, it's like, it's like this is that this window of time for this vehicle because it's not going to be that way. Like, look at like the TRX. I mean, the good example. That thing's <laughs> a short term. I mean, it's, it's it's there's no way they can keep no, building that. No, it's not, not going to happen. So how do you balance this, right? So, um, and you've got a, you've got a, a large audience, and when you're like approaching a truck review, right? How do you balance that kind of visceral V8 experience with someone who's maybe running a fleet and all they care about is longevity, fuel economy, performance, how much they can tow if they're like a hot shutter? Exactly. Um, talk to me about. Uh, how you balance that? I probably balance it pretty poorly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, right. You know, it's but so is a truck an emotional purchase for you, or it is, is it? okay? Yeah, it's emotional, and, and and so I mean, I love trucks. Right. Like I clearly. love trucks. <laughs> clearly. Right. So right. I mean, people are always like they're like come to my channel, like man, you're you can just see your love trucks to your face. I'm like, well, I don't play poker for a reason. A, <laughs> uh, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. But I, I love trucks, and so. Um, but from a fleet standpoint, from the consumers who are paying for fuel economy, which has been a hot topic lately with gas prices being what they are, um, I, I can still talk to that. I can still say, you know, all right, look, you know, you're going to give up that, so you can give that a fuel economy, you're going to give this, whatever. I mean, like the power boost is a good example. I had to talk about the fuel economy in that. And the reality is, is that was that 2.7 gets better highway than the power boost got. You know, so there was, I mean, that to me, that's a really good discussion point to have. If you're going to, you know, what's going on, where you're driving, you're going to be, if you're going to be mostly highway, maybe you don't need the, right. the, the hybrid because it doesn't get the same fuel economy. So, um, but I still love a good work truck. Okay. Like, I, 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 I think one of the, the big shames in the, what the jobs we do is that there's not work trucks in the fleet and there's no right. vans in the fleet. It's really hard no to vans. get. Vans. Yeah. No vans. Oh, vans. Are you kidding? That's a dirty word nowadays. I know. I'm yeah. like, I freaking love vans. Like, yeah. I, and I, so I, I have my dealers in town. Like, they all know who I am. And I'm, like, shopping their lots to see if they have coming in because I love getting that stuff. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's... And, and I get it. You know, there, there's a certain argument for fuel economy. There's a, there, you know, we're paying higher gas prices, and sure, I just paid 100 bucks to fill my truck up, and I don't think it was fully full. I think maybe I had a couple more gallons ago, or whatever the deal was. I just when it got to six figures or three figures, I was like, right, yeah. there you go. Like, yeah, that, that, that's enough. enough. That's enough. Good for enough. That. <laughs> Good enough for the right? And so yeah, I mean, there, there's a big thing for that, but 
um, you know, like I was talking to my dealer about it. One of the, um, the Ford doesn't even he doesn't even order, order that three three V six for his work trucks. Right. Nobody buys it. He goes, I just buy the two seven because people because it's better for the economy. It's more fun off the line, better towing. So I mean, I think that's that's where we're gonna come down. We're gonna have less uh, options. We're gonna have more uh, streamlined of engines. And yeah, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a, a, a really big debate these days between buying a truck that you need for work that's going to have fuel economy or having this visceral driving experience. And we're going to see our audiences combined are going to be really split. Mm-hmm. And there's another factor, and that is the Ford F-150 Lightning and all the other trucks that are going to be stacked on right behind it. I mean, I don't really consider the Hummer part of that because the Hummer is just you know a rich man's toy. Mm-hmm. But you have an awful lot of people that are showing an awful lot of interest in these new electric vehicles, which are completely devoid, obviously, of you know sound and that type of feel. It's a completely different world. And the projections are right now, what are we at? 5% take rate is what they're assuming by the end of 2022 is going to be for electric. That's supposed to double in two years. Now think about that. That's that's a projection, but think about that. 10%. 10 10% take rate in electric vehicles. And what's fueling that? Part of that's going to be electric trucks. So that's another question that both our audiences are probably going to have to answer for us. Is that something that's going to get them excited? Or is that something that's going to drive fear? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. EV trucks are, are very complex in my world, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, you know, so my managing editor Jill is in Chicago, so for her, it's fantastic, right? She can spend all day, and my wife commutes five minutes to work, so we're actually talking about getting her an EV vehicle because, you know, it's just five minutes. She picks up a, a fleet vehicle from her job, and she drives all over the place, so, it, you know, for her, it'd be fine. So we're, we're having these discussions right now in the house as mm-hmm. well as in the audience. Um, I believe that there's no better utility vehicle in the world than a truck. You can make it fit your lifestyle, you can go tow with it, yes, you can do sure. whatever you want to do with it. Yes. So to me, it's like, why would you buy a sedan or buy a compact car or whatever when you can get an electric truck that does whatever you need, right? right? I think it's a big shame that the Maverick doesn't come in a fully electric. I mean, that thing would be ideal for a lot of consumers. Yeah, I think, that could happen down the line too, yeah, I suppose. I think, I think we're going to see a growth in the truck audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of, I've, I've talked to a lot of contractors in my area, I, you know, plumbers and stuff, and I'm always talking to guys about the stuff. A lot of people that are really EV curious, right. right? And so I just found out the other day that the the local transmission guy in town bought a Rivian. Hmm. And I mean, his entire business in is Scott's Bluff. Yeah. Wow. His entire business is working on transmissions. And that's what I that's why I heard from the you know I I need to go talk to this guy because I'm um rather curious. Yeah. But you know I mean I think I think most consumers are and most truck people are EV curious. Like I was talking to my plumber and he was like. He goes, I've done the math. He goes, I looked at the range. I've started calculating stuff out. You know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very curious thing because they know that their one of their variable expenses for fleets are two things. They have two variable expenses, payroll and gas, mm-hmm. right? So if you can take one of those variable expenses and make it more of a, a, a smaller line item, then your profits go up. And so it does make a lot of sense for that. And I think we're going to see more and more EVs coming out. My complaint about the whole thing is that unlike the SUV, SUV world and like the car world, we have gone from gas engines straight to EVs. And I'm like, where's the plug-in? Exactly. I was hoping you were going to go there. Where is the plug-in truck? Tommy, it, damn it, where is it? It just seems like, you know, if, if we're going to walk people down this road, which 
you know, to me, I, I wouldn't mind an EV, a plug-in hybrid because... I wouldn't think, that make just the most sense? Yeah. So my, my, my parents uh, live in Michigan and in Florida. They have, they have two houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, jerks. Uh, anyways, they, have, uh, they <laughs> still... But you get to golf. But, yeah, right, right. But, but I told them, I said, you should buy an EV in Michigan, an mm-hmm. EV in Florida, keep it in the garage, right? Park next to your EV golf cart. I've driven EVs a lot, golf carts. Hello. Yeah. Um, but, Ooh. you know, they could, take a, they could take a plug-in mm-hmm. and drive back and forth from Michigan back and forth, and that's because they don't fly. They would, they would drive. Yeah, so, yeah. I have a lot of opinions about plug-in hybrids. Okay. And nobody wants to hear them, but I will give you No, 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 no. I want to hear your um, opinion, and Tim does too. So the, the, the amazing thing about EVs is that they're incredibly efficient, right? Yeah. So if you look at, like, a, a Tesla Model X, um, it can go 300 miles of range on the equivalent of, like, three gallons of gas mm-hmm. because electric powertrains just don't have the heat losses, and they're so much m- uh, better at, you know, managing available kilowatt You are hours. talking to a Nissan Leaf owner. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I do understand. The issue with plug-in hybrids, and I go back and forth because whenever I'm driving, I'm like, this is the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And then when I look at it from a, a science perspective, I'm like, this is the worst of both worlds because they're bad electric cars because they have to lug around a gasoline engine, which is doing nothing when they're driving on um, electric. And then they're bad gasoline cars because they have to drag around this big battery, which is doing largely nothing when you're running on gasoline. And the crazy thing is, if you look at like a lot of plug-in hybrids, they'll actually be less efficient than their gasoline or hybrid counterparts, right, on gasoline because they're carrying around so much battery. Now, I, I really am on board with Tim getting an electric car for your wife because, and I think maybe you found this too, I was super on the fence about him a few years ago, but as like a daily commuter, if you can install a 240 volt plug in your house, I mean, it's like, it's a no brainer. You just save so much money, they're mm-hmm. quiet, they're easy to drive. And I've spent almost zero on maintenance. Maintenance has been remarkably cheap in two years. Now, where I get a little bit skeptical is if you look at the data, the vast majority of EVs right now are sold in Jill's location, right? They're sold in in, um, in cities, urban environments. And I think we're going to get a huge influx of people that have reservations on Lightnings, that have reservations on Silverados, that live in cities, because mm-hmm. that's statistically where a lot of EV people live. Yeah. And then they pick it up from the dealer, they're super excited, they weld themselves with the acceleration, and then they go to park that thing in the garage, and they're like, oh my god, what the heck did I just do? Right? I've made that same point. I'm like, all these reservations people, they don't understand that... A full size, so like my 62 C10 was a full size truck in 1962. Yeah, it's a mid size today's standards. No, it's smaller than the Crew Cab Colorado. Yeah, it's right, yeah, right. Yeah, it really and is. so people that haven't been in the truck market for 30, 40 years, they remember grandpa's truck on the farm. I'll buy grandpa's truck on the farm. It's not EV. that. Yeah. No, <laughs> a full size truck is yeah. massive. I mean, I love it, right? I yeah, stretch yeah, yeah. out in the cab and I, you know, put my arm up and I got tons of room, put all my, you know, golf clubs in the back, whatever. I got tons of space. But sure. my goodness, are they massive? And I have the same point. I'm like, where are they going to park these things? Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm still confused by that. But yeah, it's, I, I can see your point of plug-in hybrid. I guess I just think from. Yeah, what do you think of them? So you've you've driven a, a few of them. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I think I think I thought they were dumb when the first time a couple times drove. <laughs> I thought they were. I mean, why? Because I, I could basically go across town. Right. And I was like, yeah, well, that's this is useless. dumb, right? Yes. You know. And Have then, you ever driven an Outlander plug-in hybrid? Yeah, that thing was it's terrible. Horrible. Yeah, it was absolutely terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, I plugged it in for like. 20 hours and I drove 10 miles. I mean, it just was terrible. But I guess what I, I look at it like this is that the evolutionary track of transportation, right? We have went from walking to bicycles to horses to horse carriages to gasoline cars. And then we went with gasoline cars that drove long distances. Mm-hmm. We did all this stuff. Now we're at the point now we're saying, hey, your car can drive 600 miles. But no, we want to get you in the car that drives 300 miles. It's the first time in history that we've gone backwards in the capability of vehicles. 
And that's where I think we need to get the population, not us, right? So we don't, we understand the stuff. We don't really count. But the average consumer, we need to get them from a gas engine to a plug-in to an EV because they, they're going to take longer to get to that point. What I do think is really interesting with EVs, and I, I'm, I really, I really, we need to start a, a, a like a a channel. Like a, yeah, a go TFLED. get Tim, go get oh. Tim's wife an EV channel. Oh, you because mean a, a GoFundMe? Your whole brain gets reprogrammed. So I've been daily driving this Mini Cooper SE, yeah. which on paper, garbage, 114 miles of range. Like, what are you gonna do with that, right? Right. But the thing is, um, first of all, plugging in it at home. Every night you wake up, you get the full charge. Granted, it's like filling up your car to a quarter tank every time because it's only 140 miles. But you reprogram yourself really quickly to maximize most of that range. Yep. So I drive 50 miles to the airport in Denver and 50 miles back, and I can sometimes come home at like 3 or 4%, which sounds horrifying at first until you realize this is like a calculator. You know, mm -hmm. it does the same thing every time. It's very predictable in its way of doing it. I'm one of these people where if I get to a quarter tank in a gas car, I start like getting a little sketchy and a little nervous. On an EV, I'll bring that thing down to like 2% and it's fine. Um, now where I do agree though is, um, I, you're right. We need to find a way that we can like dip people's toes into the water. I'd be curious to see if your audience understands the plug-in hybrid, because you remember a while back Toyota did like this big survey about like electrification and mm -hmm. hybrids, and like they found that 50% of people or something still thought a Prius needed had no gas, um, and we all kind of laughed at it. But then you talk to non-car people, you talk to non-truck people, and it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah it's I hard agree. to educate something on what the heck a power boost is, let alone something that you can or cannot plug in. You can or don't have to fill up with gas. Like that's going to be a big hurdle. Yeah, I, I had the same argument. Uh, do you have video of you getting in the Mini Cooper? I'd be curious to see that. <laughs> yeah, he's... Yes, uh, yes, yeah. And, and Tommy owns a fleet of Mini Coopers. <laughs> just say. so you know. I mean, we, normally I mean, this garage is full, at least four of them. And I know you've talked about it in the past, too. I know you've talked about it in the past. And I've, like, pestered Toyota about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want a plug-in hybrid, or if you want even a cooler ID, like a range extender, we have a big-ass battery, and then a small little engine just in the case of yeah. emergencies, put a freaking diesel in it. Because diesels love long, long L hauls at low RPM. Yeah, yeah. And Toyota's like, no, that's never going to happen. Yeah, they, the Toyota is absolutely never allergic. Unlike Tim's uh, for, uh, April 1st joke, which was pretty awesome about <laughs> diesels, um, Toyota is absolutely against bringing their diesel technology to the United States. Um, one thing uh, we should mention, though, General Motors is looking at an, a range extender. Uh, no, 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 not, I'm sorry, not General Motors, um, Stellantis in their upcoming oh. Ram. Revolution? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they are. They, they mentioned are. that they were going to do a range extender in there. They didn't say what it was going to be. Now, is a plug-in hybrid truck appealing to you, Tim? Yes. Over a pure electric? Well, here's the thing. In my world, I may drive five miles a day. I may drive 500 miles a day. Right. Like, I don't know what every day is. I mean, days, days can be. So in the mm -hmm. country, you know, I, I, you know, it, if I had a farm or whatever, cows get out, whatever. You, you talk about, people always talk about, like, plugging their cars overnight. Well, there's a lot of times in your farm and calving season, whatever. That's interesting. You can't plug your vehicle in overnight. That's like interesting. You need two in the morning. You need to unplug and get going. You know? Right, right. You, it, the, you can't, you can't be without without that. And then, so I think the the plug-in hybrid still allows me to do whatever I want to do with the truck. It doesn't doesn't limit my freedom. If I want to drive to Kansas City and get some barbecue, I can just do it. Right? Okay. Yeah. But so I can still drive around town electric if I want to. And that, that's the thing. I think it gives consumers the choice. Right. Which is what I like. 
That's an interesting perspective. And I also think that it comes down a lot to perspective. Like, there's mm-hmm. no hiding that I'm some skinny, boring, hipster, nerdy dude, right, that lives in Boulder, Colorado, where I can't really? throw Really? Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> He's not a hipster. And I can't throw, you know, a, a kale smoothie without hitting an EV charger in these parts, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, we have a lot of EV chargers Yeah, yeah, I just here. saw it. There's one down the street. I just saw it. I was like, wow. Yeah, right at the park as well. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, you, you just like that in Colorado. Um, like, Utah is pretty progressive on that. But then, like, you go on the apps, you look for an EV charger in Wyoming. And you're like, Whoa. I mean, oh, no. it's it's just it's a different. People the, are people are arguing about that, and then they showed me the the, the, the app, whatever, and it was it was it, it was all the the campground. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the no campground and park at the campground. campground. But, yes. but the infrastructure is growing. Billions have been invested and are being invested. To be fair, and it is yeah, growing. Yeah, but it's if you can look at, once again, statistics are showing that it's grown by leaps and bounds, and it will continue to grow. Now, granted, in the middle, you're not gonna find a whole bunch of level, you know, uh, high level level twos and whatnot in the middle of Utah. You're not right. But eventually, like you are the level going, three stuff. Yeah, right. But you might get some actual some trail stuff that they've been building. Those solar panels that Jeep has been putting up with the little plug-in for level twos. Right. You saw that. Maybe there's going to be more of that. Well, and the thing in Boulder is you see a ton of electric cars. You see Leafs and Because Tesla, it's right? Boulder. Everybody has Birkenstocks. But you don't see a lot of trucks. And I bet you head up mm. to Scott's Bluff and everyone's got a truck. I did a video outside my house once. And I was just showing the power was off and whatever. And I looked at, down the street. Because we lose power. All, you know, I lose power mm-hmm. twice a month. Well, you get tornadoes. And oh, houses yeah, flying. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, we have Toto. It gets flown away all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, and people are like, people are like, oh, my God. Every truck in your neighborhood, every house in your neighborhood has a truck. And I'm like... Yeah, I yes. said, you know, I said, I, I think the Midwest, different perspective. Uh, Nebraska, Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota, I think we have more trucks than they do in Texas. I wouldn't be surprised. But we don't have the capital. We don't have the people. Wow, right? really? So, so if you combine them, huh? If we combine them, we have more trucks in that area, <laughs> but we don't have the same population that Texas has, right? So mm-hmm. there's a difference there. But yeah, I, you know, I always tell, people are always funny. I always talk to people and they're like, yeah, I just charge EV overnight. Well, that's great that you can do that. Because when I was, I was saying, I'm dad, my kids, I would actually use the dryer at two in the morning. I've done that. Okay. Throw up on the on the sheets, and you're trying to get some you know laundry done real fast because your your kid was sick all night long, and so and then we have power outages throughout the night, and so um, there's some big concerns about that. The, one of the best things I did with the power boost was I was at plug in. We lost power. I was able to run a, a heater and a light inside of our living room while we had power outage. Uh, just just a FYI, I, my leaf, my daughter's leaf. Um, I have a level two that I can plug into the dryer. By the way, the dryer socket because I just wanted something simple. For two years, almost 90% of the time, she's been hooked up to the 110. And I have a battery backup just in case. It's a minor one, but it works. It, yeah. it, it just simply works. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put in the argument that electrics are better. Everybody has a different thing. But combining, if you have a gas truck or a hybrid truck and your wife is driving an electric vehicle, you have the best of both worlds. That's what that's what we're talking about with the wife. Yeah, right. I'm talking about the wife getting an EV because right. her driving. So, so if she drove to Denver to see her sister or something like that, mm-hmm. she'd probably just take the truck. Right. You right. Know, I mean, because. Perfect solution. Because it's like, if you go through Cheyenne and it's going to blow 60 miles an hour in your face, you're driving 80 miles an hour. And guess what? That's the worst case scenario for an EV. Yes, just, absolutely. Absolutely. Just Highways are just so, death. Yeah. Yeah, and I, so I, and I don't. People always like labeling me like you're an EV hater. I'm like an. I'm not an EV hater. I just. Here's the thing. I don't love anything. Like I like a lot of stuff. I don't <laughs> love everything. I don't love my truck. I don't hate my truck. I don't love EVs. I don't hate EVs. I'm just overall like curious. Like I, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. And and yeah. I, you know I'm not uh, I'm not at the point where I'm putting my um, was, you darn kid you know stuff in the you know in the lawn <laughs> and stuff. I know EVs are the future. I get it. 
I mean, it just yeah, it, there's no way to get around it. And government policies, corporations, their corporate corporate viewpoints. I mean, corporations want to be green now. I mean, it's it's all going to go that way. Mm-hmm. We're just, it's just going to end up with. I just I wish that we would. Uh, I wish we'd look at EVs differently. And like for example, with the power boost. Um, I didn't care it had the hybrid. I don't. I told people all the time, like, I don't legitimately care if it has hybrid. I don't care about that at all. I want the power on board. Yeah. Right. So when we do these EV trucks, like, let's be smart about it. Let's take this tool that is a truck. And let's make it more of a Swiss Army knife useful thing. Let's right. add more features like that to make it better. Yeah, and, I agree. 100%. You know, and and that's what I always think. It's like if you're going to take that cust- truck customer and give him the EV stuff, mm-hmm. he's going to hate it unless you give him a real benefit to his life beyond just gas. So like like the the pro the pro power on board on the lightning like the eleven kilowatts yes that's gonna sell that's gonna sell that truck to more truck customers than the e the concept of an EV right I mean I I am definitely I'll just say it now pro EV but I also I'm I'm also very realistic like the way to buy an EV and this this is this is my official take now okay right? your official take go out and buy yourself a used affordable EV hell yeah. Right? Use it as your daily driver, but then keep the gas truck for the trips and especially for the towing. I mean, there is we're just so far out from towing with an EV. I'm not sure we're ever going to get to the point where it's even nearly as convenient as gasoline, right? Mm-hmm. And there's been so much effort in trying to convince people that it's doable. I'm just like, guys, this is resources that we should be putting elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, I- I would Keep a, buy yourself a '99 Suburban for four grand and have that as your tow rig if you must. But he had to say the '99 Suburban. <laughs> God, he's in love with that thing. There's a whole series coming up. That's why Tommy's so freaking you, out. Does the Mini Cooper fit in a Suburban? Um, the funny. <laughs> his, his other <laughs> Mini Cooper did, mini, does. Didn't you have a Mini of the press loaner ones? Yeah, I the did. The little green one. Actually, I, I did. So they uh, side story. Mini Cooper sends me this stuff and they call them SUVs. And I'm like, no, they're not. Uh, and I'm like, come on. And so I did this. I did this thing. A truck guy reviews a, a, a Mini Cooper. I saw that. And that son of a gun video like exploded. And I, I was saw like, that. What in the hell? It's a good concept. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, and I, I, and I was like, all right, well, I, I guess you could use it this way. And I was like, you know, but. Yeah, I, I had to drive. I had to drive one of those to Denver and had the manual transmission in it. And I was driving around downtown Denver with that thing, and I thought my left leg was just going to chop it off because my knee was just screaming <laughs> at me. Because I was like, and I could drive a manual. Just you know, when you're shifting seven times to go a quarter mile, it was like, all right, wait a minute here. So my wife owns one. So yeah, yeah, heavy clutches too. Minis are oh, but my wife is strong. Yeah, she's very strong. She scares me. Um, so bringing it back to full circle, the ton. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, So we talked about the engine. What about the rest of the truck? Because I know there's been certain things that you've been very vocal about. Specifically, Please. should we go into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The front tow hooks. Ah, uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so um, I, I have lots of thoughts, as normally I do. Uh, the first thought is that I think Toyota needs to get in front of this and start doing some good PR. and Not good PR, but they need to put out some details. Like, give us a reason why. Yeah. Shoot a video. If it's aerodynamics, show us the aerodynamic stuff. If it's safety, show us the safety crash stuff. Just, just put it out there. What I don't like about the lack of tow hooks is simply this. I have used tow hooks in the past. I actually buried, um, we're going to name names. I buried a Ford Bronco Sport in a hill. And it in was. In a hill, not on a hill. Well, it was. It was no, it went down into it. I, mean, <laughs> I was going up this hill and just sank. It's in the hill. Yeah, and we, I mean, we were digging it out, but it, the ground had getting, I guess, it had rained while I was gone. I didn't realize it and just mm-hmm. sank right down. So I actually had to use the Ford, my power boost, to, to pull the other one out with the toe straps in the front, you know. I could have done it at the rear end, whatever, you can do that stuff. But I, I, yeah. like, I, like, I like seeing what I'm pulling forward. I agree 100%. You know? so, yeah. Um, for me, tow hooks comes down to simply this is that the majority <clears> of customers may not ever use a tow hook. 
However, when you need it to hook, hmm. by God, you need it to hook, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. so that that's my biggest issue with it. And and my other thing is is I think they lied, in that some of the engineers had said, and everybody's got a different story on this, but it's been engineers that said it was aerodynamics, whatever, and they also said We're, you can add them later. Uh-huh. Well, when I put that truck up in a lift and looked at it, there's no way to add that later. And that bumper, the way the bumper's designed, it's really difficult to to put toex in that bumper without taking the whole bottom bumper off and putting a new bumper in. So they didn't even make it like it was an easy swap. Like they didn't say, if you want tow hooks, here's your part number and there's four bolts, you're done, right? Yeah. I've been okay with that. Yeah. You know, if you want to pass your crash test stuff and you want to you get good safety ratings, hey, if, if people shop for safety for trucks because right. families and kids and stuff. I mean, I get it. Right. But they didn't even make that an option. And and sure. and there's, the other thing is, is there is no good recovery point at all underneath. That's my other bitch about it. Yep. So I did a Lexus LX600, and I was calling an eighth night, and they have, whether you believe, they're either tie-down spots for on the cargo ship going across the country or, or the, the ocean or the recovery points. And mm-hmm. they're, they're underneath the, the Lexus. And I was like, you know what? Okay. You know, if I can't have tokes in the front, at least give me a spot. Tuck. So, like, Swede has a J-hook in the bottom underneath the bumper. Yeah. He doesn't have a tow hook. It's just a, it's a J-hook, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. At least I got something to do. And so the problem with the Tundra is because there's no recovery point and you have to go further back into the frame to hook something to, as soon as you tow something out with that truck with the tow hooks, you're going to rip the bumper off. Mm-hmm. Because the angle of when you're pulling that out, because you're going to be sunken down, the new truck's going to be a little bit higher, as no, and so when you pull that forward, you're going to tear the bumper apart. So I'm like, I understand if you didn't want to go tow hooks because of whatever reason you couldn't get through, whatever, but you had to come up with a solution, and they didn't, they punted. They didn't offer any solution at all, and that's the biggest thing. And you know what the strangest part is? I thought that, okay, maybe it'll happen with the TRD Pro version, right? Maybe that would be the one to get the orange tow hooks that Tommy loves so much. <laughs> nope, they didn't do that either. It still has that bumper, which, by the way, off-road is not the best bumper to have either. That's a long hovering. It really is, and it makes the approach angle not very good. So that is a serious question. It is, it is my biggest gripe really amongst all the other gripes. But there is another gripe that I know Tim's had and we've had at the same time. Oh, yeah? Infotainment. Oh. Oh, here we go. Dear Lord. Yeah, but but, but we can simplify this by simply saying that Toyota put a lot of resources into starting this whole company that basically was working with this system, right? And maybe they didn't quite cross the finish line when they built this new system. The screen looks good, by the way. Well, so, okay, so talk us through the infotainment problems that you've had, and, and, and we'll kind of fill in where, where we've had similar issues. So, uh, I guess, I picked up a truck in Houston, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I fly into Houston, I'm dog-tired, 6 a.m. flight, land it, and they get the truck at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I have to get home. I have a couple days to drive home. Right. As storm's blowing across, so I got a boogie, right? So, right. the salesman's like... Tech guys will set this up for you. I'm like, no, you're not going to set it up for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the road. And mm-hmm. also be, I don't want a dealership setting up my truck. I want to be able to set it up myself, right? Yeah, so, sure. So I start cruising along, and I start noticing this all this kind of guest mode stuff popping up, whatever. But I, I got a boogie. So I'm, I'm flat foot down getting to the hotel room. And so I, next morning, I have a little bit of time. So I start setting up. The, I, have a, I, have a, I have to do a, a PIN number. I think it was maybe that same day, next day, whatever. I finally get a chance. I have to do a PIN number, set it up, and I have to do an email, register. And then the, e- the system sends you an email, right? But my, uh, my, my, t- my email isn't through Gmail. It's, I use it through Gmail, but it's a separate server, server you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So they have a five-minute time limit on getting this freaking PIN number because <laughs> it's Fort Knox stuff, right? And my, my, my Gmail will not refresh fast enough to bring that email in. <laughs> 
because there's a time delay with the different servers I have. Sure. So I'm like, I'm like, this is absolutely crazy. And then I didn't know about you had to link your not only your phone to the system to do CarPlay, but you have to have a key. You have to have a key file that's linked right. to the system right. too. Yeah. And to run, and, and all I was trying to do was close the screen. I just wanted to drive. I wanted the map. I wanted to put destination on radio. I don't want any of that stuff, right? So I run into these problems. And so I finally get home, and I get it set up, and then my wife goes to put her stuff in. She can't stand it either. Like this whole pin thing. And I said, look, guys, look. I said, you're dealing with a generation that still has flip phones. I play golf with the guys. They have flip phones still. And they're, and what the, what's the average age for consumer trucks? 45 to 65, mm-hmm. right? These guys are not tech guys. They don't care, right? And so I have all these problems with it, and I have I, I have issues with the navigation because when I was driving home, the the, uh, the 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 standard setup for the navigation is that it won't change per time zone. The clock doesn't change. Hmm. That's the standard setup. Mm-hmm. That is, that, that, that's that's a... so bizarre. And so I end up I end up I end up bitching so much that the chief engineer of that system and him and I we end up having a Zoom call. And I, I, I guess I inadvertently called him on, well, I kind of did, on a live stream. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he gets on there. Him and I are doing a, a Zoom call, whatever, that, they have, that Toyota had facilitated for me with this guy. And him and I can't fix some of the problems. Sure. And he, he literally told me, that he's like, look, he goes, we probably were thought this. The guest mode system set up for valet mode. And I'm like, dude, I live in western Nebraska. Like, and also... I'm not valeting my truck. Yeah, Keep no. your hands off, right? How many people valet a pickup truck? Nobody's going to valet a pickup. So I said, I understand this is for uh, this is the throw up the, for the entire lineup. Lexus will have it. And mm-hmm. I said, Lexus customer, sure. But I said, my, my thing is other brands do it better. They have guest mode button you could press. And they have valet mode button, whatever they can do. I'm like, why not just, why did you reinvent the wheel when the wheel was already there? Why not just take whatever was already there and already improve it? But yeah, I, my second key fob still doesn't work with the system. <laughs> and then I was driving home on a road trip. And uh, Jill was using her phone, and we'd kind of do stuff, and the system went cranky, and I, my pin didn't work, and an email thing came up, and then the whole system locked down. So every time I went to change the station, I had to like close one screen, I have a minute and a half to change the station, then the screen would pop back up and go through a whole recycle thing. And three weeks later, three weeks of me contacting my sources, people think I have these, all these inside sources, me reaching out to my sources, Three weeks later, we figured it out. And I actually had a phone call with customer service with one of the PR people we know. And uh, the guy on the phone with the customer service was like, I've never seen this before. And so at the end of the day, my hope is through my criticism, through my experience and stuff, I can make the truck better for the next consumer. That's my goal. That's the right attitude to because have. Because yeah. it, it's not going to matter to me. By the time they fix it, I'm going to sell the truck. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So it doesn't matter to me. I hope that I'm building... I'm hoping that future customers have a much easier time. And one of the, I, I, I don't know, good things that happen is they're doing an update to that system based on my feedback. So that's good. Here's a question. Do we even need different modes? Do we even need different profiles in, in a truck? What do you think? Is it is it making your life better? Because I think the idea is, right, like you have got your key, you got your phone, you, 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 you know, jump in, and it's supposed to automatically load all your profiles and all your, your music stuff, and then your yeah. wife does the same thing. Does it make your life better when it works properly? The honest answer is I don't know because I didn't set any of that stuff up. Okay. I still have not gone through the I, – I mean, I, I see the option. <laughs> I can turn on my seat right. back and forth. I can have lights different, whatever. Right, right. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't know. I never went through that because I don't care. I don't want – I don't – there's nothing in there that makes me want to have it. That, my only thing I want is a set seat buttons on the side. Precisely. And, and those things only work half the time with me. It keeps losing my set button on the side. And so I'm really frustrated with – because my wife gets in, right, and – all my mirrors are changed. My seats mirrored. It changes, and and it doesn't even work. 
My old Nissan Pathfinder, which was uh, like, what, a 2006 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that thing. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I had three buttons, and they never went wrong, except for when the battery was disconnected oh, and I forgot everything. But I could go between my daughter's setting and all the mirrors and seats did what they're supposed to do. And then my wife's seating and my seating. And it worked perfectly. Okay, so it didn't remember what was on the radio. I don't care. And I guarantee you, most consumers are like, all right, whatever. Having a key that resets everything that is not reliable is completely useless in my book. I do think, though, um, so I, it, we actually went through uh, not quite the, the same drama, but I, I did have a similar phone call with somebody. And um, I got, like, my key working, right? Mm -hmm. and it was all set up. Uh, when it works, I do quite like that Toyota infotainment system. I think it's very vibrant. I think, like... Oh, the, it looks good. I think it, it looks, looks good. The yeah, station squares nice are easy to get to. Well, I like I, having I, the... I don't like the, the map. You can't split screen. Okay. I want to have the map on one side and the, my, you know, radio, what's on the plane down below. And I don't like... That when you go in it sucks station, it actually will pull up the station with the graphic and stuff. I wish that was the first screen and then down below is your other. Oh, I know what sets, you're talking about. Yeah, right? I agree with them. Okay. And yeah. so I mean I I I it is irritating to me that the CarPlay setup with the map, you can't pinch the zoom. They disable that for no reason. Huh. And so if you so then you you can only pinch the zoom with the navigation, but you can't have the radio on or CarPlay playing with the navigation at the same time. Hmm. And I'm like I'm like, so you have this massive navigation screen, but you can't split screen it. And by God, it needs a home button. I, I know okay. I've had I've had dealerships call me and ask me how to get back to the car play back to the main menu. And I'm like, and, and so and then Toda's like saying, well, you know, it's change is hard. I'm like, but you didn't need to go that far. You didn't need to do that. You could have just let it be and put a home button there. Like, I, and I don't. I, and, and the the people that designed it actually reaching out to me on my comments um, when I first did the video, and they're like, "You don't need a home button. You just click the logo." I'm like, "I know that, but I don't want to go to CarPlay, then take the map, then go to the home page, then click the home button, the to go back to that, to, and then I get stuck where I'm going to go to the radio, then I'm going to go back to the radio, then I'm going to go to my stations and crap." I'm like. This is. I just want to change. I just want to see who's singing the song. Right, right. Boom. One button. Doom. You're there. Right. Yeah. Just like all the other systems. So let's talk about a little bit more about some of your other experiences because I know you've done a lot of reporting on um, some quality things. How has the initial quality been um, for you? What's your opinion there? Uh, I think overall in engineering, it's fine. I haven't had any wastegate issues and I haven't any of those the transmission issues and that kind okay. of stuff. Yep. I think there are a lot of challenges, uh, wind noise, the, the weather stripping issue. Um, I've seen, for me, it's that's about the extent of infotainment and and the weather stripping, which is just frustrating. It's like you spend $60,000 and weather stripping doesn't sit right. Like, <laughs> my 62, I've done all the weather stripping and that thing. It's, it's, it's a pain. I just want it to work right. I just want to be that way. And, and from a quality standpoint, those are the, the issues I had. Now, when I first got the truck, I had a, the, the world's weirdest issue. I, I really covered that. I did a 20-minute video, and probably could have been five, and I got a lot of um, love from the comments on that one. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, I picked it up, and like, as I was driving, this, the, the door locks were going crazy. Like, and so then I was at the hotel, and I couldn't actually lock the door because I couldn't figure out how to you know do it. So then I was so mad that night. I was so tired, and I've been driving all day. So I get out. I got a plan. I'm a journalist. Think this too. I get out. I manually lock the driver door, and I close it. Okay. Then I'm like, are all the other doors locked? I don't know because there's no like not the old school like pop up thing you can see. Yeah, yeah. So I go to the second door behind the driver. Mm -hmm. uh, that's locked. Go around the other side. That's locked. Go to the passenger side. It all unlocks because 
I had the key, key in my in pocket. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so Oops. I had to go through the whole process again. And they actually flew in. I was surprised. They flew in four engineers to my little small town. The dealership was like blown away, right? All these guys show up, take my truck apart, and they, they go through and they, they address that. But yeah, I, I had, that was a really weird issue. And the same time that was going on, my uh, passenger side uh, seatbelt was going crazy sometimes too. And so that was really, really irritating. And they, they looked into it. They just thought maybe just had had shifted just a little bit and because it shifted just a little bit it was hitting the door a little bit with the wind or something but that was kind of strange you know uh, some people might say and some of your viewers some of our viewers would probably say the same thing about well you just bought a brand new truck that's uh, you know ground up all new so you should expect some teething issues its first year and then by the second year it'll be improved and that's what some people might say and i might agree with some of that but some of these issues i mean they are you know, rather telling as to Toyota put together this whole unit. And before we broadcast, you said that underneath the vehicle is fantastic, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I agree with you. Um, but there are these just little glitches here and there that are a bit surprising for a company like Toyota. It's, it's really mind boggling. It really, it really is. Mm. So we started this, this uh, episode and, and Tim said something interesting. He said, mm. you never hate anything. You never love anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm worried about the love anything. We got to have we you gotta, driven the TRX? We got to get you a hug or something. <laughs> Come <too>. on, <laughs> seriously, what's wrong with you? No, but I mean, I, I think if you ever fall in love with something so completely, you lose your objectivity. So, yeah. at, at what point would you? Where are you at with the truck right now? Are you leaning more toward the I like the truck, or are you leaning more toward I dislike the truck? I lean more towards I like the truck in that um, I think it's a gem, not the gem, but it's the same sort of Toyota consistently. Is that when I first saw the truck, I was really um, put off. I mean, the moustache front end, which I, that's why I call it moustache. Moustache. Uh, moustache front end really just was like, wow, I kind of get around that. And then I really have a, a, the rear bumper, the way they did that was just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. The fact that hybrid doesn't have a power on board is just stupid to me completely. Yeah. I think Mike and I have argued about this. He's flat out wrong, in my opinion. Um, sorry, Mike. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I mean, the whole truck was like, it was such a disappointment. Like I said in the press release, I really had a hard time not being biased when I looked at the truck because I was like, man, I'm like, I wish I had this, wish I had that, wish I had this. And then they finally put a rear locker in there, but that was like the third page, bottom corner of the press release. I'm like, I ought to put that at number one bullet point. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. So I'm like, but it's, 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 a, it's a thing with Toyotas, right? And I've always found this with even the 13 I had and all the years I've driven the Tundra, is that at first glance, when I get in these trucks, I don't love them at all. I'm kind of really wishy-washy. But the more I drive it, the more I appreciate it, and the more I like it. So, and what do you like about it? Like, give me some, give me some sorry. bullet points about things that you really like about it. I really, I, I think Toyota had three main obstacles to fix with the older Tundra. They had to fix safety, which took argument, whatever they fixed safety, right? Ride quality was one of their really big problems in the entire generation. My truck was would get over a railroad track and it was like fucking horse, right? right. And so when I drove from my house to Chicago to Indiana, I could do this whole road trip. Ride quality was so amazing. It rides so nice, right? And it, it, it's it's finally somebody's doing a five link coil suspension like Ram's done for years, and it just rides mm -hmm. really nice, right? Uh, the, the the other thing I really like about it was they had the fixed fuel economy, right? And so they did that, right? The three five is, I don't care where I drove it, whatever. I don't care if it's better than your truck was in twenty years ago, whatever. The reality is the three five will get better fuel economy in the V eight. It's just going to. Yep. It's, it's not going to be like oh my god, mind blowing. So I was really liking the fuel, the power, the torque delivery, the the powertrain. I was really like the powertrain, and I like the stupid stuff, right? So. So um, on the door, there's a slot for your hand, arm, right? I used the hell out of that driving back from Oklahoma. You know, I was like you know, doing this thing. And then the thing I, I thought I wouldn't love and I actually do love 
love, I like, um, as a feature now is uh, the lane centering assist. I thought that oh, was I, dumb. I thought it was absolutely dumb. It tweets dumb. at you all the time. It yells at you. No. The, the it, centering is the, nice, though. The centering. The, the centering is nice, but it yells at you. It's, no, it doesn't yell at me. It, 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 it yells at me? Well, it, well, it's not the keep assist, though. So it's not the lane no, keep it, assist. No, but it's the warning. It's the one that keeps you dead in the middle you, of the lane. Yeah, and here's yeah. why. And, yeah. this, and why I thought about this was that, again, I'm driving through Oklahoma. The wind's blowing 60 miles an hour because it's... Oklahoma, right, in the winter, and that's what happens in our right. kind of country, right? But I'm driving northbound, the wind's blowing from the west, right? And so getting a hotel room, I, I had eight hours to drive that day because mm-hmm. I spent the truck in a couple days, uh, trip in a couple days. But having that truck hold that center line for me, yeah, without me, you know, like I drove down today and I was kind of driving to the right a little bit, but that truck still held me in the line. Mm-hmm. I, I was less fatigued getting to my hotel room than I normally would have been right. if I had not had that feature on. Now, I do turn it off quite often. If the nice day, whatever, I just turn it off. I just love to drive, you know? Right. But if a situation like the weather's happening, wind's happening quite a bit, those kind of situations, I do actually like that on. And I, I have... I thought for sure I'd hate that, but I do actually like it now. I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I mean, it was one of those things. Like, remember the, when the lane keep assistance first came out? Yeah, they it used to be horrible. Beep, yeah, like, they would just drive you crazy. Yeah. But the latest generation of Toyota Safety Sense, which I think is standard, right? On the yeah, it's standard. Yeah. So it's 2.0 or something. Really, is kind of a game changer for folks who like need to drive a long distance. You got the adaptive cruise, which works well. Yeah. And then that lane centering. So I mean, I'm not I'm not on board with this full autonomy thing, but it is like a very mindless activity, right? There are parts of Wyoming where you're just going straight for like 800 miles. Yeah, yeah, and the and wind's the blowing this wheel. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is just like let the computer do it, right? The, the, the funniest story was when I, on that um, armrest on the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is I had driven at the event in San Antonio. They had that event for all of us down there when I drove it yeah. for a little bit. And I got on the shuttle to the, the, the plant, and the guy next to me is a marketing guy for Toyota, and he just says, he goes, man, I saw your video last night. Because I, I like you guys trying to put out stuff all the time, you mm-hmm. know. So I shot a quick video, and I said, this is a great feature. You know, I sh- talked about it. And he says, I saw your video and I saw about the armrest. I said, yeah. He goes, I've been driving this truck around for two months. I never noticed it. Son of a bitch. I saw your video and I was like, holy, I should have used that for two months now. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. awesome. I mean, the thing about the Tundra, and I think maybe maybe Tim will agree with this, but like, if you look at like the old turns you had, right, the 13 or 14, yeah, yeah. Um, it's never been class leading in terms of specs. Would you would you fare? Yeah, I mean the, the thing I mean, is, it's like, never been an on paper truck where you're like, wow, this has got the, the right, biggest towing, right? right? Yeah, yeah. But it's always been a very solid entry yep. that lasts a long time, and I think the new Tundra is the most comfortable it's mm-hmm. ever been. I think the interior is really really good. Um, I, I know that we talked about the engine a little bit, but there's no doubting that it goes like a stabbed rat when you really get on it. Yeah, and the soft tech seats. It's I mean, good. I, I was like, what are these things? You know, they're like a combo leather plastic looking thing, but. They're comfortable. Like yeah. I, uh, the best thing I say is when I drove two thousand miles with that truck, got home, I yeah. got out and could get the next day and drive another hundred miles, whatever. I didn't mind. Now, when people ask you, do you tell them to uh, get the hybrid? You know, hang out for the hybrid, or do you just say get the three five? Is there a big enough difference between the two to justify the extra? No, I was so disappointed in the hybrid. Okay. I you know I really wanted fuel economy. I went on power on board on my fuel economy right. because you know I, I like you guys have done. I've t- towed my truck. And that three five tows just fine. Yeah. Like, and I got it eleven miles per it. gallon. I was yeah. like, I was like, so, and I to me, Toda um, answered the question nobody was asking. Nobody was saying I need to drive ten thousand pounds and tow with a half ton with that and be more powerful. But they created this truck to be a better towing truck, and I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, mm. the, if you're gonna do, a, if you want to have a better towing experience, you go three quarter ton. So, so, so what? So, it, and I know. Mike and I have had conversations about this, and that's the thing with with Mike and and 
people understand from my channel a lot is that I grew up I grew up in a society in a world where it was nose to nose and toes to toes, right? That's how truck world used to be. Hmm. And so you'd get in somebody's face and you'd argue all day long because you're so passionate about it. Then you have a beer later. Okay. Yeah. Right? Right. Because that's the passion I still have inside of me. That's what I grew up with. That's what my dad did in GM. That's what people my friends would do. We'd go and we'd we'd have knockdown arguments about trucks and things like that, and then we'd have a beer. Right. And so the thing to understand is I'm not negative towards all this stuff. I'm not trying to be a jerk on this kind of stuff. I'm just really passionate about this conversation. And so Mike and I, we'll sit down and we'll have, I mean, people walk by. They think we're ready to throw fists, right? <laughs> but it's not that case. We're just two passionate truck guys who have different opinions on this stuff. And you're and trying I, to get to the bottom of something yeah, and you're getting an explanation from the expert. Right, right. And I just, I feel like their direction with the hybrid was incorrect. And I feel like it's going to pan out. But the, the problem that, that runs with the hybrid is you cannot get it. You can only get it in certain trims. And so uh, they can never make the argument that people don't like it because we look at all these TRD Pros we sold. Well, it's the only option you offer in it. Yeah. Of course they sold a lot of them. That and also the whatever the, the, the expensive one is. So oh, you, yeah. you have, you've driven every full-size truck in the land, right? And when folks ask you, right, they're like, I just I, – I, I'm in a Tim situation, you know, I live maybe in Nebraska, I live in Wyoming, I don't know, but we'll just go with it. Um, I tow sometimes, I do like long trips maybe with the camper once a, time, once a year in the summer. Um, where does the Tundra fall in the full-size truck lineup in your opinion? Where does it sit relative to the other vehicles? I've always thought the Tundra always ha it has less features, less options. More reliability. Do you feel the same way about this new generation? Yeah. Okay. okay. I feel like I feel like you know, if you really want to dial in your truck and build the truck you want, you go Ford, right? I mean, okay. they offer the most options. Where you go, GM or they probably offer the most options. Uh, Ram is a beautiful truck, and that's probably the next truck I'm going to buy. I just really love what they're doing, but it makes me nervous. I've been to dealerships, looked at three, four year old Rams, and they are beat to hell. And so the reliability, especially in interior um, materials. I, Ryan Nagoti's chief uh, designer over there, we've had discussions about it. He tells me these materials are going to hold up and last. Uh, makes me nervous. But I feel like I feel like the Tundra is one of those trucks where, like, it, it's got small issues right now, right? So first-year stuff, yeah, I got a problem with the weather stripping. Well, boo-hoo. And the Ford I had, the damn uh, rear axle was rusted. It was rusted, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, would I take the rust or the window seal problem? I think I'd take the weather stripping problem with the rust, you know? Right. And so I always feel like the Tundra is one of those trucks that you can drive through a brick wall and keep going. Okay. You may not love it. You may not have all the features you want. You may not be able to build it the way you want because of the allocation system. You may not even get one right now because the, the, the lineup stuff. You may not have all the engine choices you'd want in other brands. You don't have the diesel. You don't have the 5.7. You don't have all the choices. But it is a solid, reliable truck. It's one of those things that if you want, if you buy for liability, I would say it's Tundra 1, Titan 2. Hmm. And then you, then you look at the volume sellers. That's the biggest problem with reliability st studies is they talk about reliability and always the, the volume sellers down below. Well, if you sell more volume, percentage-wise, you're going to have more problems. You know, it's what's going to happen. So Tundra sells less, and so they're more reliable because you're building less. You know, the odds are in your favor. Interesting so, perspective. Is this a truck that you think, say you didn't do this job, and you didn't have to have a different truck once a year for, for video and for tax reasons. Is this a vehicle you could buy and hold on for for 10 years and still be happy with it? Yeah. You I think so? Yeah, because at the end of the day, What's the most important thing you need from a truck? It's not towing. It's not ride comfort. It's not fuel economy. It's will it start? <laughs> that I mean, come down. I mean, come down to it. That is the most important thing, right? And the thing is, it's a tool, right? I can, you know, if for me, I can't afford for my tool not to be working, right? And so I need my tool to run every day. And at the bottom line is, 
I believe the Tundra will turn over every day with less problems long term than I do other trucks. So despite do I love it? Do I love it like love it? No, I don't love it. Love it. I don't love it. <laughs> but do I think it's better than other trucks? No, I don't. I think the Ford makes a makes a solid truck, lots of features and stuff. I think Ram's more beautiful. I think you know Chevy Nissan Titan's a hidden gem, really. It really these is. Days. I mean, people don't even talk about that truck, but they talk a lot about the truck. I don't. I think the competitors are really solid in the marketplace right now. I don't think the Tundra is the best truck in the marketplace. But if you're talking about a truck you want to have for 10, 15, 20 years. It's hard to beat, man. That I think that truck will turn over every day. Hmm. So, despite the fact it's got a twin turbo, despite the user profiles you had, despite the the, the kind of funny thing we've had with the locks and some of the trim bits, you still like the truck. I still, yeah, still like. The yeah, truck. I think I, you know, the I said in the video a couple days ago because uh, this hate discussions come up quite a bit lately. Actually, if I hate it or not, um, look, I can fix the mustache. I can vinyl wrap it. I can put toks on the front. I can go get an aftermarket bumper, right? Right. I can put my stuff in the back. I can take care of that, yeah. right? Uh, the turbo issues, it's a wastegate issue. A guy told me, actually, he's a, a railroad engineer. He goes, you should see all the turbo wastegate issues they have on trains. Hmm. He's oh, just, I never thought about yeah. that. He's like, he's like, <laughs> the he's like have wastegate yeah, issues? They have, they've had <laughs> they turbos have for decades. Two turbo diesels. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's like, so he goes, but the thing is, once you fix that, it's fixed, right? That's my thing. It's like... Once they fix the weather, once the, the supplier makes better weather stripping, they fix that, it's fixed, right? Mm -hmm. Once the turbo, if you have a turbo issue, if you don't have a turbo issue, whatever, once you get the part, it's a day, it's fixed. You know, so like, that's what I think about. Like, these are problems that they can fix and they will never come up again. Other brands, I think at 60,000, 80,000, 120,000 miles, they're going to have problems that they can't fix. Hemi, t Hemi Tick is a good example. Uh, the three-liter the three diesel I love. Um, I'm still hearing from people that have a long start issue. They have, you know, you have the drop the transmission to the belt every 100,000 miles, which is ridiculous. You have the issues. The Ford had camshaft, uh, cam phaser issues for years ago. Mm. You know, they have the, like each, each Gen 1 EcoDiesel, do you remember those? Yeah. I mean, and the Ford and GM are both in their massive lawsuits on so 10-speed transmission problems. I mean, so I, I just feel like if you were to buy a truck and want to have it for a long time and you're willing to give up massaging seats, you're willing to give up, you know, the, these creature comforts we have from these higher trim trucks and things like that, and you're willing to sacrifice a little bit as far as getting the truck built for your specific specs, and you want a reliability, right. that's that's the winner. Because you just you can't build a Tundra. It, it's not going to happen. Dealerships, manufacturing is not the way it works. So one last question here. How has Toyota responded to your videos? Have they been pretty positive or have they been more like, what the heck, Tim? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, you you mentioned that I, I hired a recently hired a new video editor, and he was really nervous. And he's like, "Man, you can't say that stuff on camera." And I'm like, "No, I." Here's the reality of things: is that I'm a consumer now too. Like, you can bitch at me about what you think about my truck, what my vision is, but I own it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so it's it's my thing. Now, uh, funny things happen. Like, so I had a big problem with the bumper going back in. So Toyota actually sent me a step. Because he got tired of me bitching about it. He's like, look, okay. if, I, if I send you this stuff, we stop talking about it. And I was like, all right, <laughs> fine, right? So, I mean, I, they, I will tell you, I think they've been really good with me. They still respond to emails. They still, I still call, talk to them. Um, like I said, Mike and I, after all my bitching about it, that's, that's post-bitching. That's us talking. Okay. So that was after I did the likes, dislikes, stuff like that. And, and he got fired up at me a few times. And, and, and I get fired up at him a few times. But, again, that nose, nose, toes, toe stuff. But I, I think at the end of the day that automakers – and and buyers too, who cares what's good on the truck? They want to know what's bad. Because bad you can fix, right? So you want that feedback, right? Because that's useful. Mm -hmm. If I talked about the truck and I loved it and everything was good and everything was rosies, I'd be it wouldn't be very interesting. 
but more importantly, it wouldn't do any good. Yeah, nobody it's, cares, you're, right? You're not so, going to be able to fix it. Right. I mean, every guy I talk to, they, they sit down with me, what's the best truck, whatever, and, and there's no right answer. It's depending on your needs, whatever. Yeah. But then they always come, they, like, the, the, the always question in conversation is, okay, what's wrong with it? You know, because when you, I had a guy um, on a, a Facebook group, he, he was going to buy a new Chevy Silverado, and he's like, all right, I'm already putting money away for the lifter issue. I'm going to put stuff in the bank so I have money to fix that. You know, that's the mentality they have. I mean, they want to – it doesn't matter what's good on a truck. It matters what's wrong with it and is it a big issue or not. So can you answer the question, what is the – is there like – if someone asks you what truck I should buy, do you ever swing it around and say, well, just don't buy these trucks? Is there ever that instance? Um, No, because I think think all the trucks really come down to – there's pros and cons. Okay. And it really comes down to the philosophy of the company. Right, so Rams are going to throw a ton of tech in these trucks and really do a bunch of styling and stuff and all these cool interiors. But again, it just makes me nervous long term. Mm-hmm. Right, Ford is the truck leader in fleet sales and they do a really solid truck, but quality has kind of always been a, a, a question mark for them. Sometimes I had quality issues with my truck. I had rattling. My uh, Parboos had rattling in the A pillar. Oh my God, it would drive me up a freaking wall. Right, and so I mean, GM. I love GM trucks. I can't sit in them. They physically hurt me to sit in them. I did a hundred mile. I just I did a hundred mile <laughs> test yesterday with the Silverado twenty five hundred. The same ones you yeah. guys had. I sat on the pillow. Uh, when right, I, so the seats are that bad. Or oh, you're it's terrible. On the yeah, well. I tell people all the time. Like I make such a big deal about seats in my channel, and people are always like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "What do you do in the truck?" Right. Well, you sit in it. Right. Right. Nissan Titan. Those seats are like couches from 1980s right those things are like <laughs> i could sleep in those right so the, the, the zero whatever zero phone. gravity i don't zero care what phone. i don't, I don't <laughs> care what they did man it freaking work right the pr works hell yeah it works awesome yeah. so that's why i tell people all the time like it's it, it, and you can't convince a gm fan to buy a ford you can't it's just not gonna happen no no but, no, no, no. That's but like i always tell things. them like look people i we i started doing early on five good things and five bad things and i found really early on nobody cares about the good things but is that just an internet thing do you think that the negative is always going to get more kind of? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the society thing, right? Right. Social media, I mean, wastegate issue for the Tundra effects, a single digit, maybe 1% or 2% of trucks, but yet that is a known problem that's going to get a massive recall, right? Yep. According right. to the internet, right? That's, I mean, that was part of my April Fool's joke was I was making fun of all the people that comment on stuff because, you know, yeah, it's just things get blown in proportion, but I think that's where videos I do put attention to it and I think that's where automakers I hope listening to this because I know people listen to my channel the engineers stuff like that is stop hiding behind the corporate wall get out there and say yeah Tim was right Tim was wrong whatever we fixed this problem and I've been beating on the door for Toyota to give me a, a comment on the wastegate issue right and they won't do it because it's not a big enough issue and I'm like that is a wrong answer you need to come out and say look I it think there's really a lot was... of lawyers involved too you know yeah a it, lot of... but you got to give me a statement because if you don't give the statement it becomes fact. Right. It is interesting that you have this in, it, this relationship with the, the chief engineer, Mike. Um, and I know Andre. And Andre you, does. And, yeah. and I've, I've, I've interviewed him And you, him you talked well. to him. But he's an interesting guy because he's very unlike a lot of chief engineers. And he's a great interview. You know, like you, you interview some of these guys and they're very much like buttoned down. You can tell that they have the PR training and they're like, well, it's designed to fit within specs and limitations. Yeah, company yeah. line and all that other stuff. Yeah. But Mike will definitely go a little bit behind the curtain and kind of tell you why That's it's why done. And like they tried this. This wasn't done. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's not just Mike. So, like, uh, the chief engineer for Chevy Silverado for long for a period of time used to work. My dad actually hired him to work in the line in Fort Wayne. Oh, really? So I have this I have this bond with GM. I mean, I've, I've talked to the Ford engineers on uh, many occasions. And once you break down their walls a little bit, they'll talk to you. The Ram guys, I mean, Jill thinks I have a man crush on uh, CEO Koval. I mean, because every time I get a chance, I talk to him. And maybe I do. He's going to be a good-looking guy. You know? I mean, but, you know, I mean, so I'm always, I'm always, you know, 
I love engineers. I love to talk to them because I'm such a practical guy. And so we get we get into conversations that, that they don't have other people. Right. And so I had one guy, actually, the, the chief engineer for the Chevy Silverado 3 liter diesel told me, he says, man, he goes, I love your channel. I'm like, okay. And so we're talking a little bit. He goes, he goes, car and driver does this stuff where they go these deep dives and things like that. And he goes, I'm an engineer of that engine, and I don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> right. He goes, you sit down, you talk about where the dipstick is. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. that's that's a huge difference. He goes, I can relate to what you're saying because it's relatable. And, and I've made a big deal about a channel about dipsticks, and people are like, get mad about that, too. I'm like, well, it's a long strand of metal that they can put wherever they want. Why would they put it all the way down by the exhaust valve where it's hot, and you got to burn your hand trying to get it out to check the oil? Like, this is this is common sense stuff. You can make it as long as you want. You can place whatever you want. Like, why do you have it so difficult to get to? So, Interesting. I mean, and, and that's I think that's the difference between our channels, right? So I think I think you guys have done an amazing job building a channel. And trust me, YouTube's really hard. And all the, I don't know, what do you have, eight channels or something like that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that's really hard to get to that point and do that stuff. And you guys have a really good uh, Ike Gauntlet stuff. And you do the, the really good e- new EV stuff you're doing, Tommy. I've, I know you're a big fan of that stuff. And yeah. so I've seen that a little bit. You do a really good job on that stuff. But, you know, I think that's where we dovetail, like I said. Because well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at dipsticks and you guys are like, we're going to tow up 10,000. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's just it's fun. I think, I think it's fun having the different dynamics. Because I know Tim is like, why are you drag racing trucks? And we're like, well, because it's fun and people like to snow. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I get it, right? It's you know, entertainment. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know it, it's entertainment, and I'm just like, I just, I just don't ever drive that way. It's just, it, but I do. But you know, yes, now that, now that <laughs> yeah, right? Now that I've done YouTube for a longer period of time, I can truly see the magic behind that stuff, because that's a test you can do for a long period of time. Except right. for, I think when we get the EVs, I, I saw, a, 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 was it a Hummer versus Rivian, and I was like, it's too fast. What's the point? Right. Like, uh, you know, three the, seconds. The, there's, there's no, there's no. I mean, EV drag racing. The, there's no. It, who can, who can keep the tires from spinning? The, you know, is gonna, is gonna win. Yeah, it's a traction limited thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like flipping a switch each time, which, yeah, which we're it's, learning. It's gonna make a very interesting future for us. That's for sure. It's gonna be, hus- it's gonna be hard for us to cover trucks in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it'll still be fun though, Tim. It has to be fun. It has to be. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Tim, if people want to check you out on YouTube and the website, where do they find you? The easiest thing, pick up truck talk. I mean, the three words. Love it. Most guys can spell it. What about the SUV part? Uh, that was uh, added later, so that's not for Okay. <laughs> all social media is all pick up truck talk and all the email, or all the uh, website and all the YouTube. And Love I it. just made it as simple as I could. All right. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining this us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Thank, thank you, you for Tim. making the drive. I know that was quite the drive. Yeah. Sure. If you had a GM truck, you'd have to bring a pillow. I, I, actually, I listen to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even bring. I'm gonna buy a new. Uh, I'm gonna buy a GM next year too, and I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Okay. okay. All right. We'll cool. see you guys next time. Thanks, buddy. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.